and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. Uh, we've had a week's break. We're back here, uh, in not in the studio, in our respective homes. Uh, we hope you're staying safe and looking after yourself. I am Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker, and this week I'm joined by two of the team. I'm joined by Johnny Chiedini, head of video for Dicebreaker. Hello, honk, Johnny. Honk. How are you today? Hello. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Johnny Chiedini, Dicebreaker Goose. It me. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're secretly not a goose. Because geese are notoriously not nice. Yeah. Secretly not a goose. What oh, does this imply about Johnny? That I'm openly currently? a goose, or that? What I mean to say is, I hope you're not a goose going around in like a person's body. You hope that I am not secretly a goose. Yeah. Language is fascinating, isn't it? Uh, don't worry, <laughs> I am human. Um, it, it conveys many advantages, like being able to push the keys to make videos. Very hard to do if you're feathered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, making wild accusations about people's status as geese or otherwise is Alex Meehan, staff writer for Dicebreaker. Hello, Alex. How are you? I am okay. Uh, I'm not a goose. Last time I checked. um, Mm, That's mm. a very suspicious thing to just bring up like that. Oh, hi. I'm Alex Meehan and I'm not a goose. (laughs) Why? Who's asking? Is that how you end every conversation? (laughs) I'll have a business card that says Alex Mia, not a goose. Not a goose. Um, I think we should make a social deduction game called Not a Goose. Okay. Don't not steal. Goose. Do not steal. <laughs> you steal like my you idea, could... I know. I'll come after you. Jumping back to business cards, do you not think it would be fun to have business cards and mm-hmm. you print a load and they all say duck apart from one that <laughs> says, says goose. goose and whoever you hand it to has to chase you and pat you on the head? Mm. And then mm. they take the card, and they become the goose. You sound goose like uh, one of those sort of business people who are like, we're not a part of a company, we're part of a family, so we have Ooh. fun, we're so quirky. It's a horrible thing to say to someone. <laughs> wow. That's awful. I've got this great opportunity for you. If you love duck and you love geese, you're going to love <laughs> duck geese. Business Duck geese. <laughs> If, the if thing is, were... I only say that because I have some experience in having to listen to people like that. Uh. And uh, I just had to, at the time, sit there and be quiet. And inside my head the whole time, just think, oh, why am I here? This is just so ridiculous and pointless and sigh. But mm, now I can is. accuse you of doing it. You're not here to sit and be quiet in this particular podcast, because of course we are here to talk about this week's bevy of games, uh, both tabletop RPGs and board games, and probably some other stuff, Mm -hmm. because it turns out, well, I can't really talk about what I'm playing, and (laughs) I I think, yeah, well, we'll get onto it. So actually, let's, let's kick off with... Johnny, let's start with you. What have you been playing this week? Yeah. Okay, so uh, I've got three things. Two of them are incredibly predictable because one of them is Deadlands. Mm. Um, and the other one is is Warhammer. And again, just painting a bunch of stuff and getting ready to sort of return to, um, to the tabletop because the... Uh, place I go to play Warhammer is gonna is is slowly opening up again with sort of distance tables and all that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm sort of uh licking my lips in anticipation of losing yet again at Warhammer. Uh but I've been playing recently a game that a friend of mine invented actually. Um 
because sort of obviously the only social sort of gatherings we can have at the minute are socially distanced let's sit in a park and have a have a can of beer sort of things um my friend he's called paddy jervis he's the guitarist for a, a band called johnny and the baptists um who are a, a tremendous sort of comedy duo he invented a game called softs in the loft so the premise of softs in the loft is obviously you remember two weeks ago it was your it was your cousin's wedding big wedding lovely time at the end lots of soft drinks left over so uh, dad thought take those home stick them up in the loft uh, and now dad's dad's up in the loft and you all fancy a little a little soft drink so basically the person who's who's running softs in the loft has gone to a, a shop and bought an assortment of soft drinks. And then everyone has to guess which soft drinks are in the bag or in the loft by saying, Daddy like, and then naming a soft drink. And if you get it right, you get the soft drink. So it's like, Daddy like Iron Brew? Not in the loft, no. Um, it's surprisingly riveting. And it's just really good fun to be like, Daddy likes, mm, Daddy like Fanta. Like, mm, Daddy like Fanta, but going to need you to be more specific. Fanta orange, say, not in right. the loft. So, like, it's it's genuinely... It's got to be fruit twist, right? I mean... <laughs> that, you know what? I, I ran my first game of, of Sauce in the Loft on the weekend, and Fanta fruit twist was absolutely in there. Oh, um, yeah. It is... Genuinely, it's taken my, my friendship group by storm. I have heard of at least five different games of it played, and there have even been breakout ones called like Bix in the Sticks, where you're all on the outskirts of town and you're hungry, but all you've got is biscuits. And at Crisps on the List, which I do not think is a good title, but I like crisps, so I'm going to let it slide. So, um, so yeah, check out Johnny and the Baptists, and uh, if, if you do end up playing Sauce in the Loft yourself, uh, let him know, because I, I think it's... We're mere days away from him licensing this, to be honest, and going to Big Potato <laughs> yeah. Games and being like, here, Big Potato, this sounds like, this is a rhyming game that is sociable. So, okay, so this is what I've got a lot of, I've had a lot of thoughts going through my head, which mm. isn't uncommon. Um, I feel like some of them, I need to shift through them to basically figure out what's worth mentioning and what's worth not mentioning. But... <laughs> I'm imagining that in this game, if they do get the right answer, mm. so if they say something that is in the bag, mm. then the person who is the, quote, daddy in this situation mm. uh, has to open the can and drink the entire thing every single time. Christ, no. Yes. You, no, I you think... buy like five cans. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. And no one, no one gets well, a treat for guessing. That's your prize. You get to but watch the person. That's rubbish. Like, if you correctly guessed that, that in the loft there was a can of Corsten Press rhubarb and you didn't get to drink it, that's a horrible thing to do to someone. The main thing I'm thinking is that right now, you'd have to do it unless it's, like, someone in your household. If you were to do it, like, socially distanced online, that's how you would do it. You would just have the person with the bag drink the drink. That's, I mean, what you've, what you've done here, <laughs> Mian, is you've taken a really good game and made it horrible for everyone. <laughs> like it's a real chore. Not horrible if that bag is full of really lukewarm panda pops. <laughs> I mean, it's like, please no, I don't yeah. want another bubblegum panda pop. Yeah, because that's you know the, the kind rules. of daddy yeah, like. You know the rules. Bubblegum panda pop. Oh, it is in the loft. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that you would have in the loft, to be honest. Because 
after your like your kid's birthday party or whatever at the swim pool, then you, they might not drink all the panda pops and you stick them up in the loft. I mean, again, I mean, that the, the the law quite clearly states that softs in the loft takes place two weeks after your cousin's wedding. So maybe your cousin had had panda pops there, but all I'm saying yeah. is they were at a wedding. Now they're in the loft, and you get them handed down to you if you guess. So no one has to chug upwards of five liters of fizzy drink. How about as a as a side a side game to this tins in the bin, but you don't want to win <laughs> because it's all out of date. Okay. You know. Yeah, 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 like, I'm here's into some, it. Here's some mushed peas from 1974. Yeah. Oh, that would have definitely been in my granddad's house. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah. We cleared it out. Oh, oh for we're, sure. We're planning to do booze in the shoe, or booze in the shoes, oh, where it, you just get a load of miniatures and stuff them in a Wellington. <laughs> but obviously that's kind of a more expensive variant, so no one stepped up to the plate on that one. Oh, when you said miniatures, I got really confused for a second then. I was yeah. like, how is this related to alcohol? Are they like all <laughs> alcoholic characters or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daddy liked no. um, Ultramarine Rhino. Daddy do well, like Ultramarine Rhino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every just... time you say that phrase, I, I just feel a bit off. weird. It sounds but weirder than it actually is I think that's my problem. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a weirdly wholesome game where everyone's just like, um, da- Daddy like uh, Old Jamaica Ginger Beer? Daddy not like old director ginger beer. Oh, okay, all right, fine. Mm. You can just carry on. I, uh, I think I would just hope that there would be a Dr Pepper every time, because, you know, I don't drink a lot of soft drinks. Mm. And this, by the way, other soft drinks are, are available. available. Um, but you know, a DP, as I like to call it, really hits the spot. I cannot believe me. you oh. pulled me up on having to say Daddy like, but you're you're perfectly happy to start saying DP. <laughs> It's just a friendly way of saying Dr. Of referring Pepper. to a soft drink. It's a very familiar... Yeah, yeah okay, well, yeah. Mm. Or a Dr. Pip, as he's sometimes known. Yep. Or if you I get... I just call him the Doc. The Doc. I'm if, off to visit the Doc. If you buy the... Uh, <laughs> that's you going up to your lot. I'm myself in the cupboard. The Matt soda Jarvis, stream. That's that's, <laughs> I imagine that's you going up to your loft to drink. Mm. Yeah. The soda stream knockoff version of Dr. Pepper myself. is called Dr. Pete. Yeah, so yeah. Doctor Pete, also Doctor Pip. Yeah, is another one. F- please, um, t- please tell me what you've been playing, man. <laughs> I don't think I can handle this scrutiny anymore. Didn't spend five years in medical school to be called Mister Pepper, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I'll move on. It hurts me a lot because I would genuinely spend the next two hours talking about this. Yeah, but uh, for the sake of uh, table, uh, I guess tabletop. Mm-hmm. I'll move on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have been playing a bit of Code Names Online. Um, since our shenanigans last Thursday, I suppose it would have been Thursday before that. By the time this podcast comes out, time is weird. It's still the same Thursday. Yeah. Oh, I suppose there's there's technically a Thursday just before this podcast goes out. You're exactly. Mm. But Come either on. way, it's available on the YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah for those uh, who missed should, it live. Yeah, you should watch it if you did not watch the stream. Uh, but we gave it a go uh, last weekend. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was last week's episode where Lowly's used the phrase, we give it a go, <laughs> to refer to the Dicebreaker yeah. Dice team breaker. as a whole. We give it a we go. We give it a go. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm down with that. 
it's optimistic while not promising too much. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, my life's <laughs> motto, really, you know. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, I, my friends and I played some with a few uh, beverages. And I'm not talking about softs. in the loft. No. Uh, and of course, that meant things got a little bit rowdy. To the point where um, <laughs> there's a really great moment uh, where one of the clues that my friend and I had to guess was bugle, which is excellent, an excellent clue. And my friend initially said, um, oh gosh, uh, she said uh, Jameson. Uh, and we were like, one of the other clues on the board was spider. J. Jonah Jameson. And we were like, J. Jonah Jameson, he wants to get the Spider-Man. You know, and that's all he wants. He wants pictures of the that Spider-Man. And so we were like, it's got to be Spider. So we picked Spider and they were like, no. And I was like, why would you, <laughs> why would you not pick Spider? That is top tier connection work, mm, I no, would say. That's it was very really strong. good. No, it was really strong. If Spider hadn't been there, we would have gone for Bugle. But mm. we just saw Spider straight away. And of course, the first thing you think of is get me those pictures of that Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. The, I mean, yeah. The, those are the best moments in Codename. So you're like, this this clue is brilliant. Oh no, there's a word I didn't see over there that's completely <laughs> derailed the whole thing. I think I think they did see it, but they were just like, I can't think of anything else for Bugle. Mm. And then I think the next clue they gave us was Daily. And we were like, there you go. It's got to be Bugle. Mm. We still won, though. The other team were uh, quite a bit behind. But we actually had to migrate onto Tabletop Simulator because oh. Codenames Online was not having a fun time that evening. Was it not? It just kept booting us out all the time. Dang. Uh, oh, that happened yeah. to me at one point when we were streaming it. I mean, that happened to you once. This would happen to us every two minutes or so. That just... is inconvenient. Yeah, so eventually we were like, is there a mod for this? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. We will, There's we will... always a mod. Yeah, well, most of the time there is. Uh, it depends on whether the mod's any good as well. Mm. But um, this one was good. Um, but yeah, we played some code names. Um, and I've also been playing, and I'm sorry for the podcast listeners for this. Do-do-do-do! Closed captioning, Mian is holding up a copy of Fort by Leader Games. Fort! <laughs> uh, I can finally really talk about it now, because um, the embargo date is over. Oh, Johnny's sad. I don't have it yet, and I need it. I know you need it. It's really nice. I just like looking at the things in here. Mm, they're, like, I... they're just really nice. Like, look at this stuff. They probably can't see it, but look at this stuff. Quality podcast. Yeah, Mian it's, is it's holding up a board from Fort it. now. <laughs> it's a player board. Mm, um, I say I, I caved and I ended up pre-ordering Fort. Uh, yeah. So um, based on the excellent recommendations of the Dicebreaker video team. So good. Mm. Uh, now you can do it on the excellent recommendations of me. Uh, which, you know, I like to think that my opinions are worth about as much as all of the video teams together. Oh, sure, yeah. I'm going to cancel my pre-order and then re-pre-order and even a little, like, leave <laughs> yeah. a note. I'm going to be like, Alex Meehan sent me here. Friendship yeah. ended with Dicebreaker video team. Now Meehan is new best recommended friend. Yeah, well, you can have best friends in this game. You can. Uh, you can. They'll never leave uh, you. 
you can you can actually make them leave you in a really really mean way um so i'll get to that um so a quick overview fort is a deck building game um by yeah leader games uh the guys who make root and vast uh at the designer i don't know all that well um, oh it's grand, grand rudiac yes um well, he, you know, they've done a great job with this. Uh, it is right up my street in terms of being a deck builder. It's quite straightforward to learn. Like, my friend and I quickly picked it up just after, you know, having a look through the rule book and got going. Uh, but there's a lot of depth in there, despite the accessibility. Um, there are, like... So many ways that you can kind of change your strategy on the fly. Um, the initial theming of it is like kids building a fort or, or like having their little friendship groups and um, collecting toys and pizza and uh, all the things that kids love. Uh, and um, I think the theming is just really fantastic. I wonder if this this was uh, originally supposed to be like an army game, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was like um, was it SPQR? SPQF, I think. Oh wait, was it Roman? Yeah, it was Roman themed, but also the soldiers and whatnot were animals, so it was kind of root esque, which obviously has drawn a lot of comparisons anyway, because Carl Ferrin is the artist, later the publisher, but it has no connection to root. None of the same designers, the same publisher and illustrator, but otherwise there's no tangible connection. So yeah, but can you build a fort out of pizza? Or is the pizza just fuel for the fort building? I mean, um, it's that. So technically, you are kind of you know, pizza is building the fort. Yeah, it's just that pizza doesn't make a good building material. So in order to, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to Accurate. to outline this. Um, so building a fort isn't your main goal. The main goal is just collecting as many victory points as you can during the the game so the game will end once someone reaches 25 points or when they've finished building their fort completely so forts have like different levels and you basically have to pay certain resources to move up to the next level uh that resource can be pizza it can be toys so i'm imagining like they're eating the pizza and then they're using the various toys to make the actual physical structure um uh but building forts are just one way of collecting victory points so those victory points basically stay with you until the end and then there is a victory point marker uh for the sort of ongoing game and you can get victory points in like many many different ways so you can get them through paying resources through uh like having a certain amount of things in a certain place so you have something called a stuff and you have something called a pack and you could exchange resources between those and then you can get cards that say gain victory points for this many things in your pack um, and that just like cycles so every time you draw that card or you when you play it like you just get that many victory points as long as you have stuff in your pack mm-hmm. um, you can also get victory points by like trashing cards as well uh, that's how you can get rid of your best friends there you can go. actually trash them um, we did check Gosh. the rule book. It's really harsh. I don't know what it would be like in the universe of the game, but um, 
yeah, I imagine it's just like k- kicking them out of your gang. Uh, it's really harsh for your best friend. But um, the the element of the game that I think really impresses me is like the pacing of it. It's really on the fly in terms of you can initially have a strategy in mind depending on what you draw to start off with. But because cards move around so quickly, you can literally change things instantly just by what you do, but also by what your opponents do. So the two main things I think that really make this game stand out is um, one, the recruitment phase, which is where you get cards. Um, You can either get them from a sort of shared pool called the park, or you can take them from from the other players' yards, which are basically where cards go that aren't used during their turn. So you can take cards from opponents, like decks, and put them into yours, which I think is awesome because not only does it make your strategy revolve around what's the optimum action this turn for me getting victory points or resources, but also like what do I not want my opponent to get? Because there are certain cards in your deck and I really don't want my opponent to get this because I really need this card and they would really benefit from it. So like playing cards is not just action, it's also keeping cards as well. But also um, there are public and private actions on a lot of the cards. The public ones are basically ones that the player can do on their turn, but then all the other players can choose to do that as well on their turn if they have a card of the matching suit. Um, It's a really good way of stopping cards going into your yard. So it encourages you to follow actions, basically, if you're like, oh, I would like to play this, but actually, if I can get rid of this safely here rather than risking it being snapped up, then I will. It's really good. It means it's you're always awesome. paying attention to other people's turns. Exactly. And that's the thing that I think is really awesome about the game. Because you're rarely sat there like... And I've only played this with one other person because living situation. But um, it means that you're always keeping an eye on what the other person is doing. Because depending on what they play, their public action could change your strategy completely. Like, all, again, on the fly. Um... And, and, like, you can trash cards, for example, just to stop your opponent from getting them. So, like, when you play certain cards, they will be, they will say things like, uh, you can do this per kind of suit of the card you play. So you can play multiple cards on top of another just to increase how many times you can take pizza, for example. You get um, a pizza for a skateboard. It's like, well, here's four skateboards. Yeah, here's four, I'll give you four skateboards for that pizza. Um, and like, you can, you can do that to try and prevent, you know, other players from taking your cards because they'll go in the discard pile, not the yard. Uh, but also you can like, you can just trash cards as well, just to like avoid other players getting them, which is a really mean move sometimes, but it feels like really like satisfying (laughs) because you're like, I've gotten the best use I can out of this card goodbye and then the other players are you know disappointed by that but um, it can be quite a not vicious but like you know it, it keeps you on your toes like um, the, the theme is really whimsical and sweet um, but the game itself is quite like 
it can get brutal. <laughs> Maybe it um, does have that in common with Rue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna take off of the fort. I'm gonna take your friend from the yard and then I'm going to trash them. Um Yeah. Um <laughs> but so far, and I've played it quite a few times now, um I've done a different strategy every single time. And like I've won sometimes and lost others. Um there are like loads of other different things. So you can get like perk cards that can help you sort of gain victory points in different ways and there are made up rules cards which you know if you fulfill the the requirements give you victory points as well um those are kept secret um there's also a macaroni sculpture which you get if you complete your fort um which gives you extra points but like completing the fort isn't even wholly necessary like i've not done it yet um Mm. i've won previously just through victory points alone so it just feels like the kind of game that is really easy to get into but has a lot of depth there um and it's you know a surprising amount like you wouldn't expect it but i just love the pacing of it it's so like Mm. it gets going and it keeps people invested and yeah safe to say uh my review is coming uh, next week, I think. Um, uh, Matt Jarvis is smiling. <laughs> it's, it's coming whenever you feel, you know. It's coming next week. Good time um, of the game, but yeah, it'll it'll be up on the website yeah. in the next week or two at least. Um, uh, yeah, um, but safe to say, uh, I I like it <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah, I'm very excited. I think so. The embargo's left it because they're in our pre-order, so you can go pre-order it from Leader. Yep. Um, I think it's out the end of August is the release date, and I believe there's a tabletop sim mod for it from Leader, yes, so it's, it's all legit, so if yeah. people want to go and try it, they can. The tabletop mod is available now. It was released on the 21st, so you can play that. I don't know how far along that is. I don't know whether it's a demo or a full-on version of the game, but... Um, if you're not sure, I would definitely try out the tabletop mod. But um, if you like deck builders and you like really... By the way, the production value of this game is incredible. Like, it feel Everything feels lovely. Like, even the cards are laminated. Uh, and it's not that badly priced, uh, from what I remember. Nope. I want to say it's like 25 quid yep. here in the UK. So it's like $30, I think, uh, in the US. Obviously, shipping may vary, but... Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a. It seems a very good little package. Uh, yeah, based it's on what really, it's, it's really well made. Like it, it everything feels nice. Uh, not not cheap at all. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend but like getting it. So right. if you if you value my opinions. <laughs> wow. Well, you uh, cowards, well. you rank it's, amateurs. <laughs> no, it's just it's just so nice to write a positive review. Yeah, or, if you trust the opinion of an expert rather than <laughs> of an know, expert, your, your friend, they're not Christian. Yeah, trash your friends. I'll just leave you for the <laughs> yeah. other group. I'll take your friends and trash them in front of you. Um, so that's me, right. Matt Jarvis. Yeah. Excellent. What have you uh, been playing? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I can't talk about it. Uh, oh yeah, you said. <laughs> people who might have listened to last week's podcast uh, know I've been playing Pandemic Legacy Season Zero, uh, which is the third and final uh, entry in the series. It's due out later this year, I think, is the official 
word um mm. but i do have a copy i've been making my way through i won't mention any spoilers this is not a review because i can't say anything in a review context until early august uh the fifth is when our should uh, when our review even should be mm. landing yeah but as a general overview we are now up to the end of august so it takes place over a year again 12 months in game mm. uh, and you can play uh you might play two games each month or if you succeed or get the new adequate ranking which means that you completed at least one objective um you will still proceed to the next month but you won't necessarily get the same benefits as if you succeeded mm. by completing all the objectives mm -hmm. and there is there is a debrief book now which is new for season zero so whereas before you would complete objectives and certain things would happen now depending on the level to which you achieve certain objectives depending on certain choices you make that are just part of the story and depending on some other things there is a book of kind of narrative entries almost like a choose your own adventure book oh. where you'll go to a numbered entry and certain things may happen or not <gasps> depending on what you do cool. i love and that gosh they are they're just having so matt leacock and rob davio uh, the designers they are having a lot of fun here <laughs> is the the takeaway it's just a few games in it was like oh, okay yeah like i see I see that this is like it's still recognizably pandemic although there's no disease cubes it's all uh, uh soviet agents to begin mm. with who are chasing you around the world so you're putting soviet agents on the board um but that when it the, the places it then goes with that kind of spy thriller theme and intro is really interesting and really good fun they are Aww. just they're having an absolute ball with the theme of it and Partly because it's 2020, and partly because it's you know part of a series that's been going for 12 years now, and there have been a lot of these games. It's just refreshing to have a theme that is not go out get the diseases again. Mm -hmm. But they are it. It doesn't just feel like they've swapped the cubes for little people. They have actually really gone in with it. I don't. To say any more might be spoilers, but but if you think of spy thriller films and you think of the things that happen in spy thriller films or novels or stories in general, they really play with a lot of that stuff in mm. fun ways that then plays back into the gameplay, plays back into the story. So at the start of the game, what I can say is there is a there's a secret Soviet bioweapon called Project Medusa, so you're having to investigate that as this team of CIA medical specialists. But there's also a missing agent... Uh, Agent Sabek, um, who's kind of defected from the CIA, supposedly. Um, and so you're also trying to hunt down this agent. So you immediately have these two kind of directions. Mm. And like I say, you could achieve one, but not the other. So these two threads can progress at different speeds and different things can happen depending on whether you do one, whether you do the other, the decisions you make within achieving or not achieving. It's really, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I haven't finished it yet. You know, the caveat is that. I'm still making my way through, um, and it's not a review. Um, but the thing so far is that it feels it feels like Pandemic enough, but it also feels very kind of different to mm. Pandemic. I wonder um, if... I understand why they've kept the name and everything of Pandemic, because it's, it's well-known, it's, like, significant. Um, it's a brand, but... Part of me kind of thinks, ah, oh, what if they just 
like gone for a completely different IP. Um, Seafall yeah, two. Yeah. I like. <laughs> I know. Leave Seafall alone. No. We're not getting it's, into that discussion. It's a deeply flawed game that I had a lot of fun with. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, sorry, me. I uh, no, I understand why they did because because you know, uh, having not played it, I can't one hundred percent know. But you say that there's there's some similarities there in terms of gameplay. You know, it's the same designers. Pandemic's a big name, but um, I kind of feel like. Uh, maybe a different IP would have been a great idea but um, I love the idea of them injecting more narrative elements into it because some of the parts of Pandemic Season 1 which I'm still playing uh, I really like are the things that hint at like narrative elements so not really going into spoilers but um, you can establish relationships with with the different characters in the game but that's very much limited to just they get bonuses for for working mm. together, um, like it's more of a mechanic, but it kind of hints at like a greater sense of narrative, and there are some things that change throughout the game that kind of add like a sweeping epic story. But like, I'm glad to hear that they've kind of taken that a step further and actually added like just a little book. It sounds like that you can kind of use to to add depth to your experience like you know the your you know the gameplay of it you know is great but it's always good to have that like feeling of uh, like something you can really get engaged with mm. especially if you can create characters to the extent of which you've suggested Mr. Jarvis yeah so you you have a passport and you have multiple aliases as part of your so you have mm. an an allied alias so, so US aligned you have a neutral alias and then you have a soviet alias Mm. um and you create those over the course of the story and you can swap between them and they have they will have different abilities and different kind of benefits you can obviously if you are soviet aligned it's easier to go to places like moscow or east berlin whereas if you are neutral you get other benefits as you're kind of moving around the world they do again they do a really good job of the kind of cold war theme of it they they have fun with it but in a way that's not kind of it's not just oh you know another one of these they i think they do quite a good job of actually grounding it enough where it's like oh okay this is used for like a tangible reason it's not Mm. just kind of like set dressing to try and pull people in like it has an actual impact on the way that you are approaching that game um and i think it was last week we had someone email in about the decisions in pandemic kind of feeling whether they had like almost solved it oh yeah I feel like without going into too much detail the the things they give to you here it doesn't feel overwhelming mm. but it feels like maybe more than any pandemic game I can remember but I'd have to have a proper think there are just multiple routes to achieve different things so like I say there's there's the hunt down the agent there's the look into this secret project there's this that the other but the way that you can swap between different aliases or you can go over here and do this or go over there and do that it feels like it's really giving you just a big kind of toolbox of stuff to to use as you mm. want. So it's like, oh, we want to hunt down the agent this month for this game and see how we do, and then maybe we'll deal with that over there. It feels a bit more open rather than just like, yeah, it's another one of these mm-hmm. where we just need to knock down the cubes, knock down the cubes, knock down the cubes, and then get enough cards at some point and we're fine. You know, it, it yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like I say, I'm still forming a full opinion about it, but so far it's... 
it's kind of been a positive experience all round, mm. which is mm. not a review embargo people at Zedman Games. It's Mm. Anyway, uh, shall uh, we uh, move on to... Oh, sorry. I was going to quickly ask Matt Jarvis, at any point do you um, find yourself swimming around in a crocodile submarine or not? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that. Damn. Do oh. you, at any point, do you <laughs> swing around in the jungle as uh, a t- sort of Tarzan-type character? Uh, which James Bond film is that from? <laughs> it's got to be maybe, one of the bloody... Maybe it's Octopussy? I don't remember that. Are you sure you're not thinking of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? No, I'm fairly sure this happened. Uh, Do you at any point dress up like a clown or not? Can we? Oh God, can we not do this? Roger Moore films are terrible. Because you can put different disguises on, so you probably could dress as a clown. I can't remember (laughs) all the disguises. Also, James Bond's a rubbish spy. Like he's not. He's not Cold War era intrigue. We want. (laughs) You asked me if Mr. Smiley's in there. We're now we're talking. But Bond, Bond can sod off. What do you mean, God. Johnny? Don't you like the idea of, of wearing an 80s ski outfit and skiing around? Give me Tinker Tailor Soldiers by any day, rather than skiing on people's oh, lunch. Because you just I've, can't uh, stop being an attention-seeking expletive. <laughs> I I've hate outed him. myself as uh, someone who knows far too much about the Roger Moore era of oh Bond. Mm. Objectively a, the worst one. A former subscriber to James he Bond magazine. He was lovable. <laughs> he was. Was he lovable? Was he? I have very, anyway, very strong opinions about Roger Moore. Enough about that. Yes, please. <laughs> Should we move on to some news? Yes, please. there's actually quite a lot of news as well. So uh, let's, uh, let's rattle on through it. Uh, first of all, kind of the big news coming out of this week: the Spiel des Jahres for this year has been oh, awarded. No. <laughs> yes, it uh, has. So, before we get into this, uh, for those who aren't fully aware of the Spiel des Jahres, it's kind of the big board game prize of the industry. Um, so it's a German prize that's been given out since 1974, I think. Um, and it, it it literally translates to Game of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, so past winners include things like Catan, Carcassonne, Ticket to Ride, basically any of the big games you can think of, they've probably won it. There are a few... Years Outliers. where you look at it and go, oh, that's interesting. That didn't win, huh? Uh, for instance, 2015 Pandemic Legacy didn't. Season one didn't win. Uh, I can't remember what did win that year. Um, We've had a very lengthy discussion about this. They eventually gave it a separate award that was kind of like, a, oh yeah, actually, it is very good. <laughs> it game is really good. Um, um, we did have a very lengthy discussion about the history of the Spiel des Jahres. I can't remember what episode it was. We but did, yeah. It I think it's the nominations. Mm. Yeah, the title is something like Spiel the Beans or something like okay, that. So yeah. We have to find it in it Spiel the Tea. That episode. Spiel the Tea, thank you. Um, so yes, uh, and alongside the Spiel de Yards is the Kenner Spiel de Yards. So that's kind of like, translates as an experts or connoisseurs game. So it tends to be a little bit heavier in terms of the gameplay, whereas the Spiel de Yards is more uh, family friendly weight. And Casual. then there's the Kinderspiel, which is very much your kids' kid friendly games. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the rundown. This year's winners. He's just gearing up. <laughs> so let's I tell you what. Let's start with the the Kennespiel de Yars because I feel like this is one that we might agree with. So yeah. the Kennespiel de Yars this year. I apologize for my German pronunciation, by the way. I think it's Yares is more accurate. I'm sure Lolis is somewhere shaking her head. Oh, um, it's fine. She's shaking her head at something else. Don't worry. <laughs> she's so. shaking her head at the winner of the Spiel de Yars. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the the Kennespiel de Yars this year was won by the Crew, uh, the co-op car game. Um, which I think we are 
kind of all big fans of absolutely uh, love it i've i've now yeah. bought i've bought three copies because i gave one away <laughs> and i i wanted to have two just in case because this game's brilliant it's magical it's wonderful yeah. however uh it would have been better off in the yeah. spiel de Yars, um uh, category rather than the kenner spiel because it's it's a trick-taking game with uh, 50 different mission variants and some very interesting things in terms of how much you can and can't communicate and all that kind of stuff, but it is not a heavyweight game at all. Like, no. it's, you know, the first the first half dozen of the 50 missions in the game are just teaching you how to play it, in, including, like, the first mission is do a trick, get someone to win a trick, and then it's like, hey, we won a trick. It's like, okay, um... Yeah, it's while the the end of the game is very very complex and requires a lot of clever play, the game overall as a as a core experience is just not that heavy. Yeah, I I love it, but it was in the wrong category. Yeah, so yeah, agreed. Well, so it, yeah, so for comparison, last year's winner was Wingspan, mm. yeah, which I no. think is still it's not the heaviest game in the world, but it's it's more complex than yeah. the crew. Yeah. Um, so the runners-up for the Kenish Builder Yards, just for, for clarity, uh, was The King's Dilemma, uh, the legacy game which we played on the channel, mm-hmm. um, which is very Game of Thrones-esque. You're running a kingdom, God, advising a, a leader, yeah. that kind of thing. And uh, Cartographers, a role-player tale, uh, which is a roll-and-write game where you yeah. basically create maps as you go. That's the one I think we discussed a few weeks ago, because um, the role-player adventures was on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was basically the game that came after Role Player. Um, which, you know, I've not played it, but uh, I've played a little bit of King's Dilemma and I liked it. I've but, played quite yeah. a lot. I miss my campaign terribly because obviously it's on hold right now, but it is wonderful. Like That, in my opinion, that should have won because the crew shouldn't have been in yeah. this category. Should have been in. It is yeah. exactly the right way. It is, you know, dynamic and fun and interesting and, and cutthroat and just like it's beautifully themed it is great so i mean well done to all the nominees obviously but especially well done to the crew for being a really great game even though it it, it turned up to the wrong party and but got crowned prom queen <laughs> yeah uh, speaking of wrong parties <laughs> the spieldigaras uh, for 2020 went to pictures it's bunk um, it's a load of bunk <laughs> i hate that game <laughs> Which is, uh, Johnny, do you want to explain what Pictures is? Yeah, it's rubbish. Um, so, basically, Pictures is a game where um, you have a grid of images um, in front of you. And kind of like Dixit, you need to guide people toward the right image. You do this by taking um, some building materials. Uh, so, on your turn, you might have some wooden blocks. Or you might have two bits of string. Or I think there are maybe some pebbles in there. I can't quite remember. But you need to use these materials in order to make some form of picture that will be evocative of the the card you're directing people toward so that they can guess it, you can gain points, and you carry on. And then you move the materials round. So each round you're using some different things. And we sat down to play this at... Uh, I want to say Unplugged? I'm pretty sure it was, it was Unplugged. Yeah. yeah, we sat down to play it. We were like, what a great idea. And 20 minutes later, we were all in a bad mood. We were like, this is just... It's bunk. It just is. It's like, it's... It's it's bland uh, and uninteresting. And when we got stuff right, we were like, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. And with the other stuff, we were like, oh, you didn't get... Oh, I see. Right. 
Like, it just has no spark to it, in my opinion. Mm. Like, it was games just... like that, games like that can really work. Like, yeah. like Detective Club was my favourite game of last year, and that game revolves around using... It's like Dixit, using pictures. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I absolutely adore Mysterium, and I always yeah. will. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, so we were, we were kind of... I don't even think that it's a, a matter of us having set our expectations too high wasn't like you know we were upset because we weren't jumping on the tables with the the great sense of imagination that we'd we'd managed to get between us because it just didn't feel like there was any mm. it's yeah. just like it's just very literal and yeah i just think it's dull to be honest yeah. so uh and I, I know for a fact that lollies and wheels feel the same way because every time when we went to pax east we saw people playing it we walked past and we were just like don't do it it's just <laughs> Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I am baffed, Matt Jarvis. Yeah. So, in contrast, for full clarity, uh, the, the Spiel de Jahres jury described the game as, uh, as having one for its, quote, great aha moments, and the, quote, often astonishing uh, creations made by players with, quote, the guessing, section, the guessing sessions, even, quickly resembling art exhibitions. Okay. Which, Everything I've heard about that game doesn't necessarily line up with that very kind of, uh, yeah, very. Uh, maybe know, they were playing with art with like people who were very... <laughs> playing with actual artists. Yeah, yeah like, wow, maybe really maybe we stuff. were maybe we were at fault. I don't know, but um, the w- yeah. the aha moments for us were just uh, moments, you know, like nah, just nah. Yeah. I think there's a potentially a seed of a good idea in there in terms of like I like games that allow players to express themselves like a lot of party games can do that uh, and the, the aha moments there are the ones where it's like oh I didn't realise you were thinking like that um, uh, or when you, you do connect with someone in that way and you're like oh we were thinking exactly the same thing and I can see what it's going for with that kind of structure, but it just sounds like it didn't follow through with with the idea. But yeah. you know, obviously the jury thought it did. So yeah. Uh, so f- uh, for context, last year's winner was just one, uh, which is the game where you kind of everyone says an answer and then if they match, you get rid of them and you're trying to give clues to someone. Yeah, I've which heard I think, all right things about it. Yeah, I think Lowly's at least has played it. Mm-hmm. I've played it as well, and it's 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 fine. Again, it's one of those ones where it's like, this is this is fine, but yeah. I don't know if I would ever call it the best game of the year. Yeah. Pictures. So that's, yeah. that's kind of the territory we're in. I think we've had, a, just, again, we had that discussion with this, the Spiel der Tee episode um, where we were like, hmm, we're not sure what the jury for the Spiel der are doing at the moment, but... Yes. Uh, we, we, yeah, yeah, you do you, guys. Yeah. Uh, so the, ru- the runners-up, um, for the Spiel der Jahres, so the two uh, runners-up were My City, which is kind of a legacy game about building mm. a city from Rainer Knizia, mm. a prolific creator of pretty much everything you've heard yeah. of, um, and Nova Luna, which is co-designed by Uwe Rosenberg, so another really big big name designer. Yeah. Mm. Um, but again, neither of those games, and for, for full clarity, I haven't played either of them, but looking at them and kind of reading through their rules, neither kind of blew me away yeah. to mm. the point where I was like, I need to seek this out. Um, so maybe maybe on the table when you're playing them they're amazing, but all the Spiel de Jahres nominations this year were kind of like yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of wish they'd look a bit further afield sometimes maybe. 
just look at some things that might not be an obvious choice to them. Um, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Soft yeah. in the Loft, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, I'm waiting for the legacy version. <laughs> you have to tear the can in half afterwards. <laughs> you have to write a name on the can, and as you drink it, you just feel emotionally attached to it. As that's you drain it. That's exactly it. Or, um, <laughs> or you have to drink a little bit of it. Every month. Back, and then, <laughs> yeah. like, obviously, it will gradually get more flat. Yeah. Uh, so that's part of the, you know, you're sharing in the pain. Mm. Uh, all right, let's move on to this uh, next next news story. Rattling through. This one's a very quick one. Uh, oh, well, because what um, what won the oh, Kennerspiel? Kennerspiel, we went the through. Ki- sorry, the Kinderspiel. The Kinderspiel uh, was won, so that was announced last month um, because it's a separate jury. So that was won by Hedgehog Roll. Yeah, Hedgehog Roll. Yeah, uh, which I believe is also called Speedy Roll, uh, oh. which is it seems very. To be honest, that seems way more fun than pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so Hedgehog Roll is a game where you literally have a tennis ball. And you roll it across the floor to try and pick up things covered in Velcro, and that's the game. It's it's like, and that's it. I I would play that over pictures any day of the week. Yeah, any day. Okay. So yes, uh, that was the the winner of the children's game. Carry Uh, on, Mr. Jarvis. uh, Speaking of, well, no, not speaking. Speaking of games that no one has heard of, rather than games that people have heard of, uh, the Transformers trading card game is coming to an end, or has Mm. come to an end already, in fact. So it was launched in at the end of 2018, I think November 2018, um, by Wizards of the Coast, who make Magic the Gathering, uh, who are owned by Hasbro, who own Transformers, and pretty much everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Monopoly. Yeah. Um, My Little Pony, things like yeah. that. Yeah. If there um, was, a, if Hasbro was a Transformer, they would be the one that is in the film, and that is voiced by Orson Welles. Unicron. Unicron, that's the one. Wait, isn't, didn't Orson Welles voice Optimus Prime? No. No. Uh, no. Orson Welles was uh, Unicron. It was his final cinematic role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Unicron just consumes everything. Yeah. And it's enormous. Yep. So the Transformers trading card game notable because it had Transformers. So it had. It was basically Magic the Gathering. <laughs> but, hey, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Give me a second. Sorry. So, so the one, the one kind of gimmick it had was that the transformers were on double sized cards and you flip you could flip them from bot mode to alt mode That's so right. you could transform them and go okay. as you did it mm-hmm. although that was optional um and then not satisfied with making cards that were double the size of normal cards they followed the first uh, second wave i don't know anyway one of the big expansions that quickly followed was for metroplex which is the Transformer that is a literal city. Yes. Uh, so they put out an even bigger car for Metroplex. <laughs> and then, not satisfied with that, they then started to introduce combiner robots, which were made up of multiple cars that could go together. Yep. Like, um, so, I was going to say, so, is it uh, stuff like Devastator? Devastator, exactly, was the, the kind of it. lead of that expansion. Um, so, yeah, it was... I played it, and it was nothing to write home about. It very much seemed like it was leaning on the, hey, Transformers are cool. Remember when they remember when they go and turn from one to the other? That was fun, wasn't it? Um, so it, it launched November 2018, and as of I, the end of May, the final expansion is called Titan Masters Attack. Okay. Um, that has now been announced as its final release. Mm. Um Matt so, Jarvis, I'm as emotionally touched by this as the moment where, spoiler alert, for a really old film, uh, 
when Optimus Prime dies mm. in the Transformers film. It's the same emotional feeling, you know, of just goodbye, old friend. That's a dirty uh, rotten line, you know it. Good yeah. night, sweet prince. Speaking of emotional outpourings, uh, the reason given by Hasbro or Wizards of the Coast was that the Transformers trading card game, quote, uh, failed to, quote, meet the expectations of the broader fan base to engage further with the brand. Mm. Uh, while the retailer and player community continued to grow, our product offerings didn't. So it seems like they are saying, hey, we maybe we messed up and didn't bring enough out. Right. But it's very much a kind of like, look, it's it's just not doing it. Ma- yeah. Ma- imagine if you put those words into like a discombobulator and like <laughs> twist, turn the crank. Word soup. What would come... What would come out would be, it wasn't making enough money for our shareholders, and therefore we have to end it. Kill it. Yeah. The, the whole engage with the brand. As soon as you see that phrase, it's like, yeah. mm. Now, what I would have done is make it a Netrunner-like game, where one of mm-hmm. you is playing as Autobots and one of you is playing as Decepticons, and, you know, basically, classic Gen 1, Season 1, the Decepticons are always, always always attacking a hydroelectric power plant in order to get <laughs> enough energon to get back to Cybertron. Um, and the Autobots are like, don't do that, it's illegal, therefore we're going to prolong your presence here on Earth and arguably just string this out a lot longer than it needs to be. But anyway, I would have it be like the, the Decepticons, again, you know, they're playing cards and like, here goes, here goes uh, Laserbeak, oh, Laserbeak's found some energon. Boom, I've made, I'm a tenth of the way to winning. Yeah, you yeah. could make it like uh like asymmetric. Yeah. Like the yeah, like the Autobots have to like seek out the Decepticons and the Decepticons have to get enough of the stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hasbro, if you're listening, cool. just send me the license in the post. I'll get right on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the license to the whole of the Transformers franchise. Yes, please. We could do better than that than what's happening right now. Yeah. It's just Michael Bay putting. Uh, apparently, Mark I don't know. Wahlberg apparently, Bumblebee was alright. I don't know why I said it like two separate words there, Bumble. But Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Was okay. <laughs> I, I, have you heard of the Transformer called Bumblebee? Bumblebee. The moving I, pictures of I loved, Bumblebee. I loved that bit when his thing popped off and he <laughs> peed on the head of that character. That was mm. fantastic, wasn't it? I should, uh, uh, but, should do a gritty reboot of The Girl Who Loved Power Glide. That was a good one. It's one bit if if you like, it's there's a fantastic sequence where Power Glide uh, as a jet basically builds a house by doing like attack runs where he's dropping bricks and spraying mortar. It's really That's cool, all. like yeah. really just weaponized construction. I Good wish times. we had oh. that. We can make some more houses for us to live in. Yeah, mm. <laughs> but uh, but you know, pour one out to Transformers TCG. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do that tonight, yeah. Gone, gone and forgotten. Um, <laughs> sorry, Transformers. Brutal. It, it was a bit boring. Uh, anyway, uh, actually, this would have probably made more sense after the Spilder Yaris talk, because uh, just by coincidence, you mentioned Dixit and Mysterium, Johnny, mm-hmm. uh, and the studio that makes them, uh, Libelude, I apologise if I'm pronouncing it wrong as French studio. Libelude. Um It's been acquired by, surprise, surprise, uh. Asmodi. Ah, the Eater of Worlds. So, <laughs> the the Unicron of the, the other, other Eater of Worlds. <laughs> ah, it's Moonbase 2. <laughs> so, as, Asmodi, the owner of, you name it, 
it's yeah. probably owned by Asmodi. Um, Fantasy Flight, which makes X-Wing and Keyforge. Uh, Ticket to uh, Ticket to Ride Maker, Days of Wonder. Also Carcassonne Maker. Pandemic Maker, Zedman. Uh, Catan Studio, which makes, you guessed it, Catan. Catan. Yeah. Um, pretty much... Everyone. Well, there's a there's a big old roster of studios and publishers that sit They're under the Asmodi umbrella. Yeah. Tell you what's not here anymore, though, is Plaid Hat. Mm. Um, as of earlier this year, the, the Dead of Winter and, uh, yeah. C- and Seafall. And they got out. Maker of more popular games um, like Spectre Ops and so on. Forgotten Waters is also a recent one of theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they went independent again earlier this year. So Yay. they, I believe they're the first company to to go under the Asmodee umbrella and then emerge the other side. Uh, albeit <laughs> stripped of most of their popular games because they had to give up Dead of Winter and ah, stuff fables and mice and mystics and uh i don't know if spectre ops ended up with one of these modi family but either way um yeah plaid hat kind of emerged the other side with essentially just forgotten waters and ashes rise of the <laughs> like, phoenix born and summoner wars i think like so. a like a transformer being eaten by unicron yeah. Kind of pooped out the other end. Oh, just like, that's harsh on Plaid Hat. Plaid Hat like, makes some good games. No, no, but missing like maybe a wheel and like yeah, a, I think they're like, going to have to spoilers or something. Build back up again. So yeah, the the short of this is Liberlude is now owned by Asmodi. Um, mm. They haven't really announced what that means. It, probably it just means more money for Asmodi. Well done, Asmodi. Hey. Um, it tends to be that when these studios have been acquired, they they've kind of carried on as usual albeit with some internal changes um that obviously we learn about later on um but yes uh, that is that's the thing so from now on Leblue products will be as modied uh, next story moving on uh alex me and you wrote this one tell us about the fuzzies guys you've got to watch out for the fuzzies uh, <laughs> they're out and about i've got a real bad case of the fuzzies coming down <laughs> But, you know, the Muppets are old news. It's all about the fuzzies now. Um, it does really sound like a no- like a knockoff Muppet <laughs> yeah. show, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bermit the the Toad. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Fuzzies is a dexterity game from uh, the designers behind Monikers uh, and Wavelength, which is a game that we really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like Jenga, but instead of blocks, you're using these little sticky balls that are fuzzy, and they can attach themselves to other balls that are also fuzzy. Uh, and you essentially take turns to remove one of the balls and place it somewhere else on the tower. Uh, and sometimes you have extra challenges while doing that, like holding a hand over one of your eyes, or... Uh, elephant hands, which I'm a little bit confused about. Wait, it just says it just says elephant hands, or is it arms? I can't. First of all, you have to find an elephant. Then you have to ask if you can hold, like you know, when people hold other people's arms, like slide <laughs> between their armpits. You have to do that with the elephant. Or are you yeah, just yeah, doing yeah. this because they've got big, smashy, it's just fists? I don't. I'll admit, it just I haven't says this elephant through. arms. Uh, so maybe it's like you have to hold your arms like trunks or something uh, and loose. I don't really know. But uh, hey, that's one of the things. Um, the, <laughs> that's one of the things. Put it's it on the box. One of the things. Put it on the one box. One of the things is elephant arms. Play this game. <laughs> um, 
yeah, that's that's really the, all there is to it, to be honest. Um, you knock the tower over, you lose. Um, it looks fun. I like the balls. <laughs> you can put that on the box as well. Um, uh, yeah, they they provide tweezers. Yeah, how small are these balls then? If you're talking tweezers, are they kind of like little cotton they're cotton like, bud balls? Yeah, or? they're like. Oh, okay. You can try and do it with your fingers, but they also provide tweezers. An elephant's not going to be able to do anything with that. Yeah, I know. They'll just suck it all up, maybe. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't recommend playing the game with an elephant. Although, you know. um, Yeah, uh, I guess it's the draw of it's probably more the designers behind it. And um, it looks nice. Like, the art design's fun. Yeah. Uh, The balls remind me of. um, Is it Rainbow Drops? uh... Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly, yeah. rainbow drops, or uh, or like that children's show that no one ever knows. I showed it to you, Matt Jarvis. Do you remember the one with the little, the two little balls? And oh yeah. They've got like they're like aliens, and they yes, drive around in this. a little car. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Maybe like bits and bombs or something. Uh, right in with your answers yeah. to podcast at dicebreaker dot com, and we will look at them and go, oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. but yeah, there you go. The right. fuzzies. That's the fuzzies. That's uh, the fuzzies. Yeah, it's already passed its Kickstarter target. I just uh, had a quick check. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it, it it will be a thing. I mean, the um, the the game is like fifteen quid or something. So yeah. Eh. It's all right. And it's out this December, apparently. So yeah. just in time to play the fuzzies with For your family. Whoever, yeah, <laughs> yeah. At Christmas. Give, give your family the gift of the fuzzies today. You find a dozen fuzzy balls behind the sofa Oh yeah. six months later. Oh, and I bet they get really grim. I bet they absolutely attract fluff and hair, don't they? If they're made <laughs> to stick to each other, they're going to be... Mm. You're going to find one that's like the size of a large Solid crust. Like, oh. watermelon that's just <laughs> gathered, gathered over time. Oh god! And then if it gets really popular and everyone buys one, the world will be overrun mm. by the fuzzies. Earth two is just a large fuzzy <laughs> that's a mast, kind of like Katamari <laughs> style. You wouldn't be able to walk because you just stick to everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's let's round off news with this final news story, <laughs> uh, which is that Magic the Gathering has a new format, which is out. Uh, on Magic the Gathering Arena specifically for now and then it will be coming out in physical form later in the year um, because of everything kind of playing havoc with releases Mm. so it's called Jumpstart and it actually sounds uh, kind of interesting as someone that doesn't play a lot of Magic the Gathering Mm -hmm. so it's you the the premise is you get two half decks and they are themed in some way so they could be themed around certain characters or they could be themed around certain types of lore from so it could be elves it could be archaeology it could be dragons Fuzzies. you know yeah it could be a certain planeswalker <laughs> and or or they could be mechanically based so it could be something like i don't know they all have flying or they all have another magic the gathering keyword that fails to come to my mind right now mm. um you know they they let you turn through your deck whatever mm-hmm. that's called sorry magic the gathering fans i imagine you're screaming at me right now but either way this is for people who don't know what those words mean to get into magic. Uh, to bring me back onto course. So yeah, you you essentially pick two of these things, you slam them together, and you've got yourself a deck. So it it takes much of the you know fine tuning out of deck building. You don't have to pick one card at a time. It's not the same as drafting where you're kind of putting it together turn after turn. It's you pick two of these, you slam them together, you've got a working deck. You know, 
roll from there. So uh, it's a 40-card deck, so they're 20-card sets. And on Arena, there are... So they include 500 cards mm-hmm. uh, already in Magic, and then there are 37 brand-new cards for the format. Mm. Um, and there are currently 46 themes available for 121 potential combinations to rattle off some, some more numbers. Oh. Um, but as it, the, the long and short of it is that it's a way of building a new deck kind of each time you play without a lot of effort. Um, on Magic the Gathering Arena, you can play till August the 16th at the moment as part of a limited event. Um, which you can enter with either gems or gold, so the free currency that you get just from playing, or the stuff that you pay real money for, mm-hmm. and then so you can give it a go essentially for free, um, and then you can pick the sets up later in the year if you want to. And that's that. That's Jumpstart. So we should have uh, hopefully by the time you listen to this, if not shortly afterwards, we will have a preview of the set live on the website. Kind of some hands-on time with it, uh, with our thoughts. So check that out. But, you know, I'm all for vast, kind of incomprehensible games that have been going for 30 years, introducing a way for people to be able to pick them up and play relatively easily. Mm. Mm. So I think that was what made Keyforge so appealing. It's like, oh, right, I just get this deck. I don't have to worry about the meta Mm. looming overhead. Mm. Um, All right. And that is news. Uh, In terms of releases, we mentioned that Fort is coming out. Uh, and the pre-orders are live now. There's also been a release date announced for Mariposas, uh, yeah. which is the next game from Wingspan designer Elizabeth Hargrave, hmm. um, which is about butterflies. migrating butterflies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that's out on August the 28th. It's just been announced. Hmm. Uh, it I did, There wasn't a Kickstarter or anything like that, was it? It's just, no, just straight just, to... Straight to retail. Straight yeah. to shelves. I think just because uh, Wingspans did so well that they were like, yeah, I mean... Yeah. yeah. Let's get some Mariposas on the go. Jump it up. All right, uh, let's move on to some questions from the audience. Oh. Uh, audience, if you're listening to this and you'd like to give us a question, uh, you can email us at podcast at dicebreaker.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at joindicebreaker or around the various social media sites. Wing us a message with your question or what you'd like to know, mm. and we might pick it for a or future episode of the show. Put it in a can of soft drink. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe put, one of us. Put it in your loft. Finds for... it. <laughs> The odds of it happening, you know. <laughs> Send us your definitive list of soft drink rankings. Oh, what uh, an argument that would be. We all know that Iron Brew is at the top. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. mate, I had an Iron Brew sour the other day. Um, oh, it's delicious sour, good. sour beer brewed with, with Iron Brew from Exhale. It was delicious. That sounds very strong. Uh, yes, good on Iron Brew. Congrats. Um <laughs> <laughs> This podcast not sponsored by Iron Brew. Yeah, um, no. Although, you know, if you want to sponsor us, <laughs> just send us a load of Iron Brew. <laughs> yeah, come on, Bar, pull your finger out. <laughs> uh, Mian, would you like to read this one from uh, Marshake? The, at the top of the list. Marshake, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I will. Marshake? Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Dear Dicebreaker Crew... Uh, Johnny mentioned during a video with Luke Westaway. Who the hell is that? <laughs> no, we know who Luke is. <laughs> He's a lovely friend uh, from outside Xbox. Extra. Uh, extra. <gasps> I know. Keep reading. <laughs> that some people consider games you're playing not true tabletop due to lax rules. 
Having played very strict D&D and Pathfinder games and being a stickler for rules, I'll bet not a very good one, but sometimes I would like to play devil's advocate and say that being fanatical about rules can be very efficient oh can very efficiently derail a campaign and completely lose the mood of the campaign um there's a note from matt here uh <laughs> we've had to trim the email down basically because yeah, yeah. Um, there was a there was a very nice story um that my shake put in and i hmm. cut it out but thank you for the story i just cut yeah. it out for the sake of time which this now defeats uh <laughs> another thing about <laughs> iron your, <laughs> from your experience what rules make tabletop rpgs overly complicated and absurd uh losing the ambience in the process uh thanks in advance for your reply uh oh lodies isn't here so yeah the joke yeah um you I can still tell the joke for lolies yeah she could be listening um why do rogues wear medium armor uh, because it's made out of hide. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I actually really like that one. Yeah. Well, no. It's very good. Yeah, yeah, very probably like it. Wow. Yeah, if anything, it's a little too good for Lolis. <laughs> Hot damn. Uh, I think spell casting requirements make TTRPGs overcomplicated and absurd. Like, okay, I, I'm down with if your hands are tied and you need to be able to gesture to cast a spell then you can't do it. That's kind of mechanically interesting. Mm. However, if it's like, oh, I, I need to cast this spell, but I, I've run out of a bitumen and I don't have the tear of a, of a, a, a born-again Christian, it's just like, <laughs> could we not? Can, we, can you just cast a spell, please? It makes having this raw, sometimes primal power that's meant to be really literally empowering, just finicky. And it's mm. like... You know, it's it's like going up to a barbarian who's about to start swinging an axe. I mean, like, excuse me, have you done your tax return? It's like it's rubbish. Sod that. That's my that's my answer anyway. Yeah, I think in a, along similar lines, the two that come to mind are encumbrance mm-hmm. and travel time, which they exist. Like, I think encumbrance is fine if it's kind of abstracted a bit, or it's like you can hold ten items, something like that, so that yeah. someone doesn't just have you know, 150 things that they might use at some point yeah. in their pack. But trying to work out 1.6 kilograms of candles alongside this, that, and the other, and actually, I don't know, six six meters of rope would weigh X grams. Yeah. It's just, it sucks all the fun out of it. It's yeah. just unnecessary. And it is unnecessary. Travel time as well. Like, travel time, you can just abstract and say, you spend two days traveling yeah. to here, but measuring on a map and going like okay well on foot they travel at this and then they need to take a rest and just if it doesn't serve the story or the player experience just get rid of it yeah you can just eyeball all that stuff it's basically the question with encumbrance should be do you reckon you can carry all that and if anyone's like "Mm, maybe it's like well if it's only maybe then you're gonna it's gonna be tough going get rid of some stuff Mm. or no all right you can't carry it and similarly like traveling it's interesting because i was playing I was playing in a campaign of um, Fading Suns, which is a brilliant space opera RPG, but sometimes we would have a week of travel time between, like, one planet and the next. And obviously we didn't play it out narratively. It would basically be like, okay, what does everyone spend the week doing? And are are there any conversations anyone wants to have? And then we'll just jump forward. But I found that weirdly disrupting as well, because it was like, well, a week's gone past now. Is my character still annoyed with that one? Because... 
of the tiny interaction that happened just before we got on board. You know, like I think traveling, yeah, traveling times can can really interrupt the flow. Um, and that's true whether you're blasting through it or whether you are just role playing it and being like, okay, you've got three more days of riding, so that's three more times I'll roll <laughs> on the random encounter table. You know, it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse. But yeah, I'm right there with you. Encumbrance, do one. Um, I think I'm quite hungry. Anyway. <laughs> um, I think for me, it'd probably be something like um, certain spells have like area effects, but they're very specific in the sense that this one is a cone, and this one is a sphere, and this one is... And I kind of get the fact that it's it's sort of like evolved from what D&D used to originally be, which was like a very straight up like war game. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, those specifics were required for what it what it was then, but the thing is D&D is so different now. Um, you know, it it's trying to be more accessible and trying to sit there and work out oh, it's this distance and it needs to be this area of and this shape of the cone. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, I just don't have time for that. And the thing is, playing spellcasters is really fun because you have such a wide variety, especially spellcasting classes like sorcerers. Um, you know, you can play around with different kind of spells and weird effects and things. And it just pulls you out of the moment for me instantly when you're like figuring out exactly what the distance is and I think yeah you should just be able to eyeball it and say oh okay I'll let you have those two people in this area of effect mm. like um, I know sometimes it could be fun if like someone's up in the air for example but you can just say okay you get that person up in the air like mm. it, it can just be up to the the discretion of everyone involved and uh, not exact numbers and working out what the yeah. You know, what the distance is. Hmm. Hmm. I, for one, am very thankful for a DM that allows us to bend the rules <laughs> to the point where they are almost unrecognisable. <laughs> Some might call it taking the piss a bit, but <laughs> it just, again, it, it serves the fun of it. Like, you're not there to, like Johnny says, do like turn it into tax returns and spreadsheets and this, that, and the other. Like, yeah. you're there to have fun. Yeah. To tell a fun story. So, just, yeah, ditch everything else that's not contributing to that. Because let's be real, it ain't fun. Nope. All right. Uh, Johnny, would you like to read this one from at Kyle Reef? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Kyle Reef Reith asks, sorry about the, the pronunciation. Uh, uh, the question is, apologies if you already answered this previously. I haven't managed to get through the archives yet. What's the coolest nerd thing you own? Hmm. So in terms of tabletop specifically i'm not sure i have like i own a, a chess set which is quite nice which has kind of little greek statues they're all specific Ooh. greek statues oh, that's cool. that was a very nice christmas present uh, from my family one one year mm. uh in terms of more general i guess quote unquote geek or pop culture things uh i once bought my wife the sword of anduriel forged from the shards of nasa <gasps> uh, which sits in the cupboard the flame um, of the west Yes, uh, which is full size and extremely large. Oh wow! Um, so wow! So that just is about in in our flat. That's pretty great. Which isn't a large flat. It's it's about two and a half andurials. Well, you never know <laughs> when you might need it. Mm. So true. true. 
Um, I would say in terms of broad appeal, the coolest nerd thing I have is uh, a signed first edition of Cyberpunk, like Cyberpunk, Ooh. not 2020, the, the boxed very first yep. game, still with the original D10 in it, and uh, I think it's older than me, so like it's pretty, like that's a, a nice thing that I'm pleased to have. Uh, in terms of the nerd thing I cherish the most, it's probably like the collection I have of all the notebooks of all the campaigns I've played in. So now there's always one person who takes notes. That person is always, always me in the campaign I'm playing in. Um, I take reams and reams of notes. So, And it's so I can go back and be like, oh, do you remember that session? And recall it in like really strong detail. So sometimes, like, you know, I've been sat with friends, we've been playing games, we've had a few drinks or whatever, and we've been like, oh, do you remember that time or that time? And it'd be like, oh, hang on. And I'll get down sort of the thing. So I've got, oh. I've probably got close on a dozen now wow. of just notebooks um and i absolutely adore them because they're just little little time capsules of like some of my best times hanging out with friends so that's nice Aww. yeah that's lovely yeah uh, i don't really own anything particularly impressive mostly because of i guess i'm young and don't have a huge amount of disposable income um <laughs> Uh, I I have a cool dice tray that's like wooden and I like rolling dice in it and I have um, I have a picture that I got with the cast of Critical Role when they came over to London for Comic Con um, uh, I have some fan artwork of stuff <laughs> wait till you're old and, and shriveled like me and Matt Jarvis you'll get there <laughs> I didn't say you were old I said I was young uh, okay that's, that's we're you we're only old in relative terms <laughs> you're only yeah, old relative you. to me that's you twisting it uh, I suppose now I have a haunted edition of Atmosphere <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, oh, that's I'd... cool that we found dumped outside. <laughs> I actually, uh, I just remembered something. So oh. I have a, I have a Pathfinder starter box set, um, which was the first kind of proper RPG I ever played with friends. Um, and I opened it up the other day because we were looking for dice, and we kind of chuck most of our dice in there. So there were like hundreds of dice. Um, but I found badges that my very good friend made when we played our first campaign of Pathfinder, and there was a a plot involving us joining like a a group of adventurers known as the Hearts of Gold, and he made these little badges, pin badges, coloured in with I think highlighter yes! and written in biro that just said Hearts of Gold, and they're still oh, in there, and I treasure them very that's much. That's wonderful. So cute. I love that. He kind always of stuff. goes above and beyond. So. Mm. I guess the only other cool thing I have is the costume that I made, <laughs> but um, I guess I I own it, made it. Is this a traitor? Yeah. It's really it's cool. impressive. Like, yeah, it's, it's a really, not at really the moment, costume. mate. It's in a box and parts of it fallen off. <laughs> <laughs> but so it was being able to at its prime. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one All day right. I'll cosplay again, but time and money. Mm. It's not really the season for cosplaying at the moment. Either. No. <laughs> no. Um, I will read this one from Kirby Rawstorn. Um, what video game would you like to see make the transition to RPG slash board game or vice versa? What board game would you like to see translated into a video game? I'd quite like to see a Silent Hill RPG. 
that or a Dr. Mario slash Holby City crossover. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> be like just a bunch of beleaguered, beleaguered NHS workers chasing Dr. Mario around. Be like, Dr. Mario, no, you have to prescribe those. <laughs> just throwing pills at yeah, people. Yeah, just throwing pills at people. Just like punching ceiling tiles out. Weaponizing pharmaceuticals. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, like goodness. stuffing mushrooms into his, his frothing maw. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's, uh, that one, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> that? Hmm. I think that was one of the things I liked about Bullet. Bullet Heart. Oh, yeah. Oh. Bullet Heart emoji. Because it was, it was kind of... Its theming was it's a shmup. Yeah. So it's a bullet hell shooter. But actually in playing it, it was more like a Dr. Mario-esque, Tetris-esque bubble bubble-esque mm. puzzle game mm. and I think it was, it's was it been the first one of those that really felt like that because there have been there have been some real bad Tetris uh, attempts like ones where you drop little plastic pieces down and oh, it's trying to yeah. actually recreate it or ones where it's more of a kind of abstracted card game but they've never felt, at least I've, ne- I've never really played one that felt really satisfying like those video games mm-hmm. so I think Bullet is kind of scratching that itch for me yeah mm. Um, I've been playing an awful lot of Dead Cells recently. I got kind of hooked on it again because I love uh, roguelikes. Um, and I'm really in love with that world. Like, they kind of... Um, it's blend of humour and sort of environmental storytelling which sort of hints at the malaise that made everything awful. Uh, I've played it for, you know, probably over 100 hours. And it's it's still not given it's still not given up the law it kind of it teases it out in the same way dark souls or bloodborne does uh, and it's also combined with like a beautiful art style and brilliant creature design so i think that's really fertile ground for a tabletop game i wouldn't want it to be a dungeon crawler though that's the problem it's like with the dark souls board game it's like you it's a co-op d- d- dungeon crawling go hit the thing board game it's like this this is a very literal translation of that thing i like i'd want dead cells to do something a bit different uh, and I don't know what that something is, which is probably why I'm not a, a, a rich and famous board game designer. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah, hey, Dead Cells would be mine. Once, once you and your friend make Softs in the Loft, then, oh, mate. then you will be. I no, Softs in the Loft is all is all his. I'll I'll help um, him out with the Transformers adaptation. Okay. Then that'll be fine. Um, I would say I've got. I have two ideas. One of them would be, and again, this is really like basic, and I've had this want for a long time. Uh, Mass Effect RPG, mm. um, just because one, like one of the first big universes I ever really fell in love with, in terms of like the world building in that series of games, is mm, delicious, uh, and I think obviously it's kind of ripe for, you know, RPG. Um, you know, obviously there's Starfinder um, as being the other big like sci-fi RPG, but I really think the world that Mass Effect has to offer and the fact that you know it's open to multiple different galaxies and like there's already a really solid foundation there. Um, you know, it it just it you know they've done one for Dragon Age. I don't know why they didn't do one for Mass Effect because. Frankly, Mass Effect is a more popular brand, but maybe just because Dragon Age was based off of tabletop RPGs, so maybe mm. they felt like it translated better. Um, so yeah, Mass Effect RPG, I believe there is a fan-made one somewhere, but 
Um, you know, I want I want something official. But um, my other idea would be, last year I really, really got into a game called Fire Emblem Free Houses. Mm. Yeah. Um, which is a Japanese tactical RPG, <laughs> I guess the best way to describe it. You play it on a grid and you have different units and part it's partly that and partly like a visual novel style game. Partly have you... tea with your teacher or yeah. your students. Rather. Yeah, you have tea with different people and you build relationships and there's this really epic storyline with three different campaigns and I've not played the whole thing but... Um, I would really want a game like that that's like a deck builder where like you play as one of the different houses and you your cards are like the different units as well as like the different attacks and the different weapons so there's obviously like loads of different weapons you could equip but there's also like these special weapons um I can't remember what they're called but Matt Jarvis probably remembers what they're called I can't um, remember either. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. The me. relics, the, the heroes' relics, I think they're called or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, that's it. Um, and yeah, like, yeah, you can recruit the different members of other houses, maybe like you can in the game, and then you have to, yeah, like defeat the other two houses in order to win, something like that. Yeah, I will say, like dungeon crawlers, kind of, kind of get this, but that whole. That tactical combat, kind of like out of Final Fantasy Tactics, that kind of style of combat, I've never really found in a board game. Mm. Mm. And so, like, I would absolutely, and like Fire Emblem is very much that. So, I would be really interested to see yeah. a game that makes that. Like, a lot of dungeon crawlers are just kind of. I think maybe Gloomhaven gets there a little bit more because you're thinking about more the, of the way you're using the cards from your hand and your, you know, their double uses or the deck you have as that specific character. But there's never been one that quite you know, scratches mm. that itch. Like, Into the Breach as well is another one that I feel would work because it's very kind of... Yeah. You can think multiple turns ahead because you know exactly where things are going to hit. It has that kind of board game-esque-ness mm. to it mm. where it's like pure information and you're just working your way through this puzzle. But yeah, Fire Emblem. I mm. think a deck builder would be a really good one. Where it's like, yeah. oh, you you have tea in between yeah, different to fights like and then buff. you can add different cards. Yeah, you can like you can like buff by having tea with certain units you can add like buffs to them or like uh if you support if you improve support relationships with certain units then they improve or something yeah. or you like you like level them into like a different class or something like that or there's a solo rpg where it's me and i'm romancing claude and then we have tea together <laughs> someone write that for me and then i'll play it i'll get I'll right on that tea <laughs> I would. I will say that a Dead Cells like legacy game where each run you gain new things. Yeah. Gif. Yes, please. <laughs> I mean, I'll have one of those. All right. Well, I think that is about all we have time for because mm-hmm. uh, we're off to have tea with Claude. Yes. Uh, so uh... we will bring the this a week's podcast to an end. But before we go, what have we got coming up on the Dicebreaker YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash dicebreaker? Oh, that's always such a good question. It always catches me <laughs> completely <laughs> underprepared. Actually, uh, Wheels has so Wheels is able to get back in the studio. So he's not only gone back into the studio, but he has wrangled in Dean Abdu of uh, Dungeon Breaker fame. And through the medium of generally keeping their distance, uh, using hand sanitizer and wearing gloves, they have managed to record a let's play of uh, Infinity, the latest um, sort of sort of 
I guess you call it a starter set aimed at getting people into playing it. So that is coming up uh, this weekend alongside uh, Dungeon Breaker, which is obviously a continuing series. And then next week, uh, we're gonna we're sort of starting to build up some some of the old tutorials on uh, on the YouTube channel. Um, so we've got a guide on how to play Azul, which is brilliant, and you should play it. Um, it's such a relaxing game unless you're playing with two people, in which case it is the most intense thing you'll ever experience. Um, and then we've got sort of other goodies like, you know, the, the normal weekly stream coming on up and uh, other stuff. So, yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. My God, I actually answered the question. Yeah! Yeah, there's some exciting stuff. Uh, and over on the website... Uh, we have, as live as of this recording, we have a review of the Dishonored RPG uh, by one Alex Mian, uh, which we've also played on the YouTube channel. So mm-hmm. if you want to see it in action and then hear how it kind of pans out over more sessions, uh, we've got you covered, dear listeners. Uh, we also, as I mentioned earlier, we have a kind of look at the Magic the Gathering Jumpstart format coming up, uh, mm-hmm. which hopefully will be live as of this going live or very shortly afterwards. Um, so if you're interested in maybe dipping your toe into magic that way, uh, check that out for some full thoughts on it. And then mm. we also have an interview with Cole Worley of Root, uh, Root, Pax Premier, and Oath Chronicles of Empire and Exile. Uh, oh! But basically, he's made some he's made some games you might have heard of. They're pretty good games. Uh, Pax Premier was in fact my favorite game of last year, uh, and I know that Root uh, is has some very fond followers both among the team and further afield mm-hmm. so yes there's uh, both Cole and his brother Drew uh, with who he runs Whirly Good Games chatting about just their, their process working together and the games they're into or not into as it turns out because <laughs> wow, he really has some thoughts on, on how games should be savage but yes what do you think uh, of so pictures got... sorry oh, what do you think of pictures uh, I don't know I didn't have a chance to ask him but probably I best. would imagine probably a negative thing mm. uh, but yes so yeah head over to youtube.com forward slash dicebreaker uh, for some fantastic videos or head over to dicebreaker.com for the rest of what we do mm. um, news and, every day and uh, as of stuff. well yeah shortly <laughs> after this podcast goes live we'll so I think a week from now um, our summer range of merchandise will be shipping out <gasps> Uh, including some mugs which say drink your paint water uh, which is not medical advice please do not follow it but follow <laughs> it sp- i don't know spiritually, in your heart. Like, yeah. Ph- yeah philosophically um always drink your paint water uh we also have a, a can koozie uh, which you can play used to play softs in the loft as yeah! a full circle oh my god if you're gonna play softs in the loft please do it in your official dicebreaker koozie yeah um we mm, also have keep a water your dp bottle. cold <laughs> and if you, oh gosh, keep the dock, the dock at zero. Chilling, yeah. <laughs> Didn't go through five years of medical school to be room temperature. <laughs> uh, we also have a new shirt, we have a new zip hoodie, we have plenty of goodies. So head on over to dicebreaker.myshopify.com if you want to check out some of those. Uh, but until next Friday, this has been the Dicebreaker podcast. I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for joining me, Johnny Chiodini. You are more than welcome. Thank you for joining me, Alex Meehan. It's been a pleasure. And until we reconvene again, uh, have a lovely day. Bye. Bye.